Now, I want to talk to you about when you fail today. Now, I know most of you don't fail. But you can get the CD and take it to somebody who you think might need it. But I want to talk to you about when you fail, because that's a faith breaker. When you and I fail, we're talking about faith breakers. Uh, starting last Sunday, I'm going to spend four Sundays on this, talking about different ones. But faith breakers are those things that come along and they, they threaten our faith. They shake our faith. And we wonder, how am I going to get through this? We find that there are certain things that touch us at the core. And they go seemingly, I'm not saying they do, but they seemingly go past our armor and go straight into our heart. And they stab and they rattle us and they shake us. And it's a faith breaker or it's a faith maker. Now, God's plan is that every faith breaker becomes a faith maker. That's God's plan. So I'm going to talk to you today about Simon Peter, probably my favorite New Testament character because he was so like me. He was so human and he wasn't perfect. Paul, I wouldn't have wanted to go on vacation with Paul, but Peter, I would have taken with me. Peter would have loved hang gliding or anything. That would have been Simon Peter because he's the one that got out of the boat and walked on the water, but he was so human. And I want to just read uh, a part of his failure. Well, what Jesus said to him before his failure, I want to talk to you about Peter's failure today and how his faith breaker became a faith maker and how God will do it for you and for me. It says in Luke twenty-two thirty-two, Simon, Simon, this is Jesus talking to him. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon. Now look what he prayed for him, that your faith may not fail. Satan was after his faith. So Jesus said, let me get right down to it. You're about to go through a battle, Peter, where Satan is going to go for your faith. And hopefully, in Satan's mind, he's hoping you don't recover. But Jesus said, I pray that your faith won't fail. And when you have turned back, you'll be so strong, you'll be a strength to the brothers. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? He's saying, Peter, I'm praying for you that when you fail, your faith doesn't. And here we see Jesus saying to Peter, I'm praying that your own personal failure will not cause you to walk away from your calling or from me. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now for the word of God. Thank you for strengthening us. Thank you, Lord, that you know everybody in this room. You know our failures. You know our shortcomings. You know those times that we've had to repent, that we've had a shadow come between us and you because of our own sins, our own mistakes. But Lord, you don't want any of those failures to become a faith breaker that takes us out of the race, but you want it to be a faith maker. And I pray that you will strengthen every person who has failed here today, which is everyone. And Lord, help us to see those faith breakers turned into faith makers. Now, will you lift your hand to the Lord today, dear saints, and just say, Jesus, I receive your word today, that you would speak to me and make me stronger, even in the presence of failure. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I believe God heard that prayer. Amen.
Well, the Bible reveals two things about Peter. One, he didn't think he could fail the Lord. Two, he ended up failing the Lord. Peter had said to Jesus, listen to Peter's words. He had said to Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown or deny you. I will never. He said, these others might, but not me. I'm, I'm bulletproof. Um, the kryptonite doesn't take me down. I'm not going to fail you, Lord. But Jesus knew Peter better than Peter knew himself and replied to him, Peter, I tell you the truth this very night before the rooster crows. Now, listen to this. This very night. He boasted in the daytime. Jesus said, before the dawn rises tomorrow, Peter, tonight, you're going to deny me not once, not twice, but three times. That you even know me, you're going to deny me. And then we all know the story. It happened just as Jesus said. Peter fell hard, denying the Lord three times. He did what he said he would never do. He was weaker than he thought. No wonder Paul wrote, take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. And Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is oh so weak. So we can never say, you know what? Never. I will never deny you, Lord. I'll never fail you, Lord. I'll never let you down, Lord. But we walk by... We walk by the power of the Spirit, not the strength of our own will and flesh. Anybody in this room can fall because we're all still in a house of flesh, though we are redeemed. And Peter failed the Lord. And, and, and sometimes we think we can't fail the Lord, but we often do in one way or the other. Sometimes we can fail him in a way, listen, that crushes our soul and threatens to shatter our faith. After denying Jesus, the Bible says Peter went out and wept bitterly. Personal failure is so bitter. When you really fail the Lord, you know. And what makes it so hard is the Bible says that when Peter had, had given his third denial, he did it with cursings. And right then, Jesus was brought out from the judgment hall and locked eyes with Simon Peter when he said the third time, I never even knew him. Now, that's a gaze you'd never forget. Amen? I believe Peter never forgot that look. I believe that look stayed with him the rest of his life. When we fail the Lord in a significant way, it can bring such shame and discouragement that we want to quit and walk away. We're so disappointed in ourselves. And, and the enemy comes in and says, see, you can't walk this. You can't live this. Why don't you just give up, get out of church, quit praying all the time, get out of the Bible, and, and be a normal human being. Personal failure, when it's significant, is a faith breaker. It takes the wind out of our sail and the confidence out of our walk. We experience embarrassment, anger, fear, shame, despair. And we feel dirty and we feel unworthy because we acted foolishly. You know why? Because we knew better, but we did it anyway. Oh, y'all have got your halos over your head looking at me. Like, who are you talking to, Pastor Jeff? Here's what we go through. Will he ever forgive me? Because I couldn't forgive me after all these times. Can, will he ever forgive me? Or how, how, how about this question? How can he forgive me? Or how about this one? Can I ever forgive myself? Because sometimes the hardest person in the world to forgive is the one looking at you in the mirror. Because he can forgive you and people can forgive you, but you won't forgive you. 
because your failure became a faith breaker. You won't forgive yourself. And one day it occurred to me, because Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, God won't forgive you. Uh, it occurred to me that that has to include me also. If I'm going to forgive others, I've also got to forgive me. If I don't forgive me, I'm breaking the call of Jesus and the command of Jesus to forgive. You've got to look in the mirror sometimes and say, hey, self, I forgive you. See, Jesus knows how we stumble over personal failure. And that's why he said to Simon Peter, and he, and he prays the same thing over you and me. I pray that, that as you go through this personal failure, this faith breaker, that your faith will not fail. That though you do, your faith won't. But you will return and be stronger than you were before. See, Jesus said, my will is to turn your faith breaker into a faith maker. That though you go through a faith breaker and a personal failure... That you won't stay there, but you will return. And when you return, you'll be so strong, so much stronger than you were before, that you will be a strength to the brethren, a strength to the church. In other words, it's God's will to stand you up back on your feet, dust you off, breathe fresh life into you, give you a fresh vision and a fresh hope. He says, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and to give you a hope. And he spoke that to failing people who were in Babylonian captivity because of personal failure. He said, you're going to come out. I'm bringing you out to bring you in. I'm standing you up to carry you forward. I'm not going to leave you in the presence of personal failure. I'm going to make you walk again. I want to show you today that failure is not fatal or final unless you quit. I'm going to say that again. Failure is not fatal or final unless you quit. This is good news because we all fail sooner or later. And if we're honest, we all fail over and over again. Now, how did Peter escape the faith breaker of personal failure and come out on the other side stronger than he was before? How did he go through denying Jesus in front of everybody? but coming back stronger than he was before. Peter, walking down the street, his shadow healing people. Peter, standing up on Pentecost and preaching the gospel for the first time after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and 3,000 people were saved in a minute's time. Peter, how did he come back so strong? And how can we experience the same thing when we fail? Well, first, let me just tell you what I believe. I believe with all my heart, Peter never would have fully recovered, never would have fully recovered without the mercy, compassion, and ministry of Jesus to his life. He never would have fully recovered. He would have disappeared into history. He would have gone back to fishing. He would have lived the rest of his days out in sadness, sorrow, and misery and regret for having denied the Lord. He would never have returned if not for the ministry of Jesus to his life. So let's look at exactly what Jesus did for Peter following his epic failure for what he did for Peter, he also does for you and for me. So I'm going to just skip across the things that Jesus did. And, and I love this, but this blessed me this week as I was getting ready for today. Listen, it says first, he sent for him. Peter the failure. I don't know him, I don't know him. Blankety, 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 I don't know him. Never knew him. I haven't met this guy. It says, Jesus sent for him. 
When the women arrived at the tomb early on Sunday morning, the first resurrection Sunday, an angel uh, was there to announce the good news and instructed them to, listen to this now, go tell his disciples and Peter. Mark 16, 7. The risen Christ through his angel personally mentions and sends for his fallen and defeated disciple Peter. He said, go tell the disciples and be sure you find Peter and tell him too. Because I got Peter on my mind. I've got Simon Peter on my mind. I've got Simon. Listen, he thinks he's blown it and has wasted his life and thrown away his destiny. But he doesn't understand that I'm a forgiving, restoring Christ. And I've got him on my mind. So when you go tell the disciples, you be sure to find Peter and tell him too. Notice what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, go tell the disciples, but not that scoundrel Peter. And that's the way Peter would have thought he was going to treat him. And that's the way we would have thought he would have treated us. But he didn't say, go tell the disciples, but don't go near that scoundrel Peter. The very fact that Peter was singled out in the angel's statement, go tell his disciples, and Peter reveals that Jesus had his fallen disciple on his mind. He doesn't write him off as a personal failure. He doesn't put him in the biggest loser category. He doesn't reject him for his painful denial of even having known him. Everybody, needs, Some of you need to hear this, not only here, but down in your heart. Because some of you have failed, and, and it's put a block between you and God. It's become a faith breaker, and I'm here to preach that boulder off of your faith today. I want you to understand that, it, that, that when you fail... There is a compassionate, loving, merciful God who has seen your failure, who is not shocked that you failed, who knew you were going to fail before you failed, and he's sending for you. He's sending for you. He's sending for you. Jesus still has plans for Peter, plans to give him a hope, plans to give him a future, plans to give him a second chance. He has not let go of him. He's sent for him. And I want you to notice this. It was Jesus who made the first move. Was the first to reach out and restore. And believe it or not, he does the same with you and for me. He does exactly the same. When you fail, he's not walking away from you. He's walking towards you. Can I say that again? When you fail, he's not walking away. He's walking towards you. He's looking for you. He's sending for you. He's coming for you. When you fail... Peter was too ashamed to seek out the Lord. It wasn't going to be Peter that sought out Jesus. He had denied him with Jesus looking right at him. The Lord had to first seek him out, and he sent for him. And so likewise, when you and I fail, the Lord's way is to come knocking on our door, offering forgiveness and restoration if only we repent. So say with me, he sent for him. I want everybody to say it. He sent for him. Now, I want you to say with me, he sent, he's sending for me. See, Jesus loves you. He's looking for you. And, and, and the devil tells you he doesn't want anything to do with you because you messed up. And the devil's a liar every time. How do you know the devil's lying if he's talking? And, and if you've got that thing in your head that says he doesn't have, want to have anything to do with me because I failed, the devil's lying to you because he's sending for you. He's sending for you. He's looking for you. He's calling for you. Not only did he send for him, but he met with him. He met with him. 
Peter did what most of us do when we fail big time. When we've made a huge mistake, the last thing we want to be around is people. Have you ever noticed that? Especially the ones who know us best and love us the most. We don't want to be around them because they're the ones we let down. We don't want to see them at all. So Peter was not in any mood to go find Jesus when he had failed. See, this is the bitter fruit of sin. There are people who are not in church today. You know why? Because they have personal failure and they don't want to be around you and me. Because they think that we're going to look at them and condemn them. And I, and I want you to know, I'm never going to judge you, never going to condemn you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to accept you. I'm going to embrace you. I'm going to pray you through whatever your trouble is. If you fall a hundred times, I am not going to cast you away. I'm not going to do it. Because Jesus doesn't do that. He does not. But there's all kinds of people not in church today because of personal failure. The devil has convinced them, well, who are you to go to church? You hypocrite. You failed. Look how you lived this week. Look at the mistakes you made, the decisions you made. Who are you to go to church? But it's folks like that that need to be in church most of all. Sin isolates us so the devil can convince us that having made such a stupid mistake, nobody wants to be around us. This is a hospital for sinners. Right here. This is a hospital for sinners. We are not holier than thou. We are not looking down our nose at you. We are, we, I don't care if you walk in here with blue hair, green hair, purple hair, pink hair, hair lit up with Christmas lights. I don't care. I don't care if you're tattooed from head to toe. I don't care if you don't look like me, talk like me, walk like me, act like I don't care. Jesus died for you and loves you. And if you have failed, he's looking for you. Sin isolates us so the devil can destroy us. And we spend our days, once we have failed, in a miserable prison of self-imposed solitary confinement. I'll go to work, I'll come home, but I'm not going to church, not getting around the people of God, because I'm a hypocrite. Well, hey, on some level or another, we all are hypocrites. So come and join all of us hypocrites at church. Because nobody's perfect, not anybody. I mean, yeah, you can walk with God and you can walk in victory, but you still are not perfect. You're not going to be perfect until you go to heaven. You know what I find interesting? The Bible doesn't tell us where Peter was during the crucifixion. Or during the burial in Joseph's tomb later that day. He doesn't tell us. The Bible doesn't tell us where he was. You know why? Because he wasn't there. John was there because Jesus looked down from the cross and said to John, Behold your mother, pointing to Mary, and he said to Mary, behold your son, <clears throat> your son. And, and, and John took Mary into his household for the rest of her life. So John was at the cross, but Peter was not there. The failure was not there. What kept him from his Savior's darkest hour? Personal failure. I'm just guessing he had retreated to some lonely spot to lick his wounds and replay over and over in his mind the gut-wrenching failure that he had committed, beating himself up over and over again. I can hear him saying, because I know how human beings are, why did I do it? I can just hear him, why did I do it? What made me think I was so much better than the other? Because he had said, though all of them forsake you, I never will. What, what made me think I was so much better than them? He's talking to himself. How could I have been so stupid? 
stupid. And what does Jesus think of me now? Well, here's the deal. We know what Jesus thought of him because watch this. The word of God, I love the word of God. It's so amazing what it reveals. Here's what we know Jesus thought of him. Jesus sent for him and Jesus met with him because the Bible tells us he made a special appearance to Peter sometime on Resurrection Sunday. He didn't go to any of the others. He went to Peter. He went just to Peter on Resurrection Sunday. We don't know where Jesus met with him. We don't know how long the meeting lasted, but we know what the Bible says because twice the New Testament tells us that this special meeting between Jesus and the fallen Simon Peter happened. Luke 24, 34 says, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul looking back. Paul knew what had happened. And Paul wrote, he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. It is so encouraging to me that he first met with Peter before he met with the disciples. He met with the failure before he met with anybody else. Somebody ought to say praise God right there. He met with the failure before he met with anybody else. He sent for him and met with him because he loved him in his failure. But watch now, even though he met with him, something important didn't take place in those two meetings that still needed to take place. And we see it happening next. Because he sent for him, he met with him, but next he confronted him. And the confrontation happens in John 21. John 21 is the chapter where Peter is confronted and restored. Now folks, I'm going here because this is the way Jesus does you and me. He will send for you, he will meet with you, the Holy Ghost will come to you once you've failed. He will knock on the door of your heart, he will say, just repent, and I want, to, I want to restore you to the Lord. I want to restore you to your walk. I want to restore you to your position. But something had to happen. The confrontation. When John 21 opens, it's evening on the Sea of Galilee. Not long after the resurrection of Jesus. Peter and six other disciples decide to go night fishing. And they wind up catching nothing all night long. And as the sun rises in the morning, a lone man from the shore calls out to them and says, Hey, cast your nets on the right side and you'll get some fish. You know, they're tired, their eyes are burning. They've been up all night long. So they say, oh, well, okay, maybe he knows something we don't. And they follow his suggestion, and they ended up with so many fish, they couldn't haul the net in because it was so full. They caught in one cast 153 fish. That's a net-breaking boat sinking load. <laughs> That's a net-breaking boat sinking load. Jesus gives abundance. He gives net-breaking boat sinking loads. 153 fish. A net-breaking boat sinking load. They had to call for help to, to haul in all these fish. When Peter realizes the man on the shore is the resurrected Jesus, he impulsively jumps in the water and begins swimming for shore. Now watch this. When Peter gets to him, he finds Jesus sitting behind or beside a charcoal fire. It says this in John 21, 9. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Watch this. The Greek word used for charcoal fire 
is used only one other place in the whole New Testament. The charcoal fire in the courtyard where Peter denied the Lord. Jesus was literally setting the stage to take him back to the place of his failure so that it could be dealt with. You see, until we settle the sins of our past, we can't move forward into our future. God's hand was on Peter. He was called to be the man. He was called to write two epistles in the sacred, eternal word of God. Peter, follow me. I'm going to make you to become like a rock. You're going to be a fisher of men. His hand was on him. His call was on him. His destiny was on him. His purpose was on him. But he had failed. And now Jesus has got to take him to the place of his failure and restore him there. Peter and Jesus, as you read John 21, proceed to have a tense conversation around this charcoal fire where the Lord confronts Peter three times with the question, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Do you really love me? And we know that Peter had denied him how many times? Three. How many times does Jesus say, do you love me? Three so what's Jesus doing? He's got him at that charcoal fire, which immediately reminds him of the place he failed. But this time, Jesus is there to restore him. So he says, Peter, let's get down into your wound. Let's get down into your failure. He said, you deny me three times, so I'm going to ask you now. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter, do you love me? Lord, yes. You know that I love you. Peter, do you really love me? Lord, you know all things. I can hear him, get off my back. You know all things. You know that I love you. See, here's what Jesus is doing. He's getting rid of Peter's guilt and shame by dealing with it openly, by allowing him to make his wrong right. So that his faith breaker would not ruin him. He wanted the faith breaker to become a faith maker. And here is where the faith breaker became a faith maker. Jesus sent for him. Jesus met with him. Jesus confronted him. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? You know I do. You know I do. You know I do. There is another picture of this in the Old Testament. Let me tell it to you quickly. I sense the Holy Spirit ministering to us today. The prophet Elisha is one of my favorite. I love the dynamic duo, Elijah, Elisha. Elijah did seven great miracles. Elisha did 14 great miracles. The 14th one when he was dead. And the Bible says that one day, uh, Elisha had a school of prophets. And these school of prophets, uh, were, it was growing. The church was exploding. It was, it was the Old Testament church of that time. And the school of the prophets was exploding. So they came to Elisha and they said, we got to find a bigger place. There's no place for us to sleep. We can't move in this little bitty place where all of us are housed. So we need to build a bigger place. Elijah said, go. And they said, will you come with us? And he said, I will go. So all of them grabbed an ax and they went off into the forest and they started felling trees. One of them, while he was cutting down the tree, the ax head flew off the handle and flew into the Jordan River and it was lost. And, and the servant said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. 
And Elisha said to him, take me to where you lost it. Now watch this, everybody. How, how does an axe head come off of a, a, an axe handle? Usually because it's dull. It's dull. The axe head has gotten dull. So when you hit the tree with it, instead of cutting into the tree, it's rattling that axe until the head comes loose and flies off. So this servant had allowed by neglect the cutting edge to grow dull. His cutting edge had grown dull. And he lost the axe head. And when he lost the axe head, he lost his usefulness. Now, there is a picture here for us. See, our spirits are supposed to be sharp in God. They are supposed to cut. They are supposed to, to discern sin and defeat sin and walk in the spirit and glorify God and preach and share Jesus. They are to be sharp. We're to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. But if you neglect your inner man, it will grow dull. And one day you will lose the cutting edge from neglect and lose your usefulness. And so what did Elisha say to him? He said, let's go to where you lost it. Show me where you lost it. Take me to where it flew off and went into the Jordan. Take me to where you lost it. And so the servant took Elisha to the place. He said, it went in right there. That's where it went in. Folks, you see, listen, Peter lost it at the fire, at the charcoal fire when he denied the Lord. He lost the cutting edge. He lost his walk. He lost his confidence. He lost his boldness. He lost everything there at that charcoal fire. So Jesus took him back to it. The, Elisha took the servant back. Are y'all hearing me today? I, I think I'm preaching pretty good. Watch this now. The, 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 Elisha took the servant back to where he lost it and he said, it went in right there. Now here's what I love. The, the, the Elisha went and got a stick and he threw the stick in where the axe head was lost. Now I'm a metaphorical thinking guy. And when I hear stick, I've got to think cross. He applied a picture of the cross to where it was lost. And threw the stick in, and when the stick hit the water, the axe head came up, kind of like a shark fin, <laughs> and started swimming towards this amazed servant who was standing there with eyes like 50 cent pieces, and Elisha said, pick it up for yourself. See, when you get right with God, you do it for yourself. You pick it up for yourself. You get your cutting edge back for yourself. You do it for yourself. It's for you. You've got to pick it up for yourself. So he grabbed that ax head and put it back on the handle, and he was useful again in the kingdom of God. Now, here's my point. The truth will set you free, but it'll hurt you first. Often we aren't fully restored because we don't want to face the hard truth about what we have said or done. But until we face the truth about ourselves, till we go back to that charcoal fire, back to where we lost it, back to, where, to our failure, and, and make that wrong right, get right with God in the place of failure, we can never be free. See, that's what, what is so sad about our generation. It's everybody else's fault. My problem is everybody else's fault. Nothing is my fault. Nobody owns up to anything. And it's so grieving and vexing because, listen, when you mess up, it's not your daddy's fault. It's not your grandma's fault. It's not anybody else's fault. It's not the preacher's fault. It's your fault. Come on, church. Elisha didn't say, oh, well... 
it, uh, it was the axe maker's fault, and they just made a bad axe, and it's not your fault, and, and, and you're just a good guy. Don't you worry about a thing. No, he said, you take me where you lost it, where you lost it. You lost it. Now, did the painful surgery produce the desired healing? Yes. Peter never denied Jesus again. We know from history when his time came, as Jesus has said to him, Peter, the day is going to come when they're going to take you where you don't want to go. And they're going to do with you what you don't want done. And it says in the Bible, Jesus said this signifying that he would die a martyr. Peter became the pillar of the church, one of them. His ministry was fantastic, fabulous, unbelievable, full of miracles, full of power. But the day came, they got him. They arrested him. And they were going to crucify him to mock his Christian faith. But Peter said, I'm not worthy to be hung on a cross like my Savior was. Hang me upside down. And they took him and they hung him upside down. And Peter died. Never again did he deny the Lord. His faith breaker became a faith maker. Now, here's the good news. Jumping back. On the spot, Jesus re-enlisted Peter into his calling. Do you love me? You know I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? You know I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Really, are you sure? You know all things, Lord. You know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. Three times he denied the Lord. Three times he restated his love for the Lord. And three times Jesus affirmed his calling. A fallen, broken man was restored by the mender of broken hearts into a powerful, lifelong ministry. That's how you turn a faith breaker into a faith maker. Can we stand today? Let's repeat it together so that we get it. Are you ready? When you personally fail, say this with me, return to the place of your failure. Repent of the sin of your failure. Receive his forgiveness over your failure. Recommit your life to him after your failure. Reenlist in his purpose for you in spite of your failure. Because as far as God's concerned, once you repent, it's gone. Gone. You can't fish deep enough in the ocean to find it. It's removed as far as the east is from the west. Can we go to the forgiver and the mender of broken hearts right now? Lord, thank you that though we shouldn't fail and though you grace us to not fail, when we fail, we have an advocate with the Father, even the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if there's a failure in your life today and it's been beating up on you, and the enemy's been using it to batter you, and you know that God desires that it not be a faith breaker, but a faith maker, why don't you lift your hands to the Lord and say, Jesus, I forgive, or I receive your forgiveness. I receive the forgiveness of God. 
I receive the forgiveness of God. Lord, I go to that charcoal fire. I go to that place where the ax head was lost. And I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. I receive that forgiveness. Now, some of you need to imagine a mirror and you're looking at it. And you're looking back at yourself and I want you to say, I forgive you. I forgive you. Self, I forgive you. I let you off the hook. There's such a touch here right now today. Now I want you to re-enlist. Jesus has re-enlisted you. I want you to recommit and let him re-enlist you in the army of the Lord. Because if you've repented, you're clean. And God is not finished with you. In Jesus' name. Let's worship him a minute. I sense just a spirit.